Hey guys, so before we air our episode, I just wanted to get out ahead of this and let you guys know that we did this recording prior to Game 5 of the NBA Finals, uh, and obviously prior to Kevin Durant's terrible Achilles injury. So even more than content relevancy, purely out of a sensitivity, we just wanted to you know, wish Kevin Durant the best and acknowledge that it is a sensitive situation and we want to be respectful and mindful of that. And uh, we don't want to immediately jump into what implications Kevin Durant's injury has on free agency, trades, etc., etc. You know it's going to be a big one. So we're going to let our episode just live on its own. And a lot of it is still relevant. About 95% of it is still relevant. But um, in case you're wondering why we're still our jovial, giddy, weird random selves it's because we recorded our this episode before um, tonight's nba finals game where the warriors beat the raptors by one in a very exciting game but a very emotionally taxing one for obvious reasons and so our episode is more in response to the lead-up of today's finals game with all of the anthony davis trade news um, the last week with david griffin starting to use wojnarowski as his mouthpiece so yeah uh, with that said, Kevin Durant, get well, bounce back strong, and yeah, we'll turn it over to our episode now. Leader in the clubhouse right now is who? The Lakers, because they have the leverage of knowing that Anthony Davis wants to sign with them in free agency in 2020, and the rest of the league knows that, and that there's some risk in trading for Davis. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, how about me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, just like in the critically acclaimed 2002 coming-of-age drama, where Mimi, Kit, and Lucy Wagner, played by Britney Spears, had to face divergent paths, we as Lakers fans now also find ourselves at a crossroads Tommy did you ever watch Crossroads starring Britney Spears and actually Zoe Saldana I did not Is that the most bizarre reference that I've ever had on this show Yes Great that's what I was going for Crossroads everybody that's where Lakers fans are at with regards to Anthony Davis the trade package that has to go out for Anthony Davis, what to do with their number four pick because, ooh, that 45-inch vertical by Jarrett Culver looked so schmexy. What do we do amidst all of that? Well, I guess that's why we're here. We're here to talk it out with you guys. Um, the NBA draft is, at this point, you know, a week away. David Griffin has sounded the horn, letting every team know that Anthony Davis is up for grabs Initially, David Griffin had tried to spin it, or maybe he wasn't trying to spin it. Maybe he was actually genuine about trying to keep Anthony Davis in a New Orleans Pelicans uniform. 
talks and discussions with Davis and Rich Paul were actually cordial and actually went in a productive direction. But, you know, Clutch and AD still won out. And because of that, David Griffin has done the sound and logical thing and opened up the doors to everybody telling them that the Pelicans are open for business. Now, you know, the last few weeks, the last month, pretty much since the trade deadline, you know, during the season, we've had to deal with all of this noise and now it's coming back in full force. Back then, Tommy, because of what happened at the trade deadline where, you know, pretty much all of our young guys were being shipped out, did that prep you for what's to come in this season? post the actual regular season because I thought that what happened at the trade deadline would have prepared me for now but I guess obviously jumping to number four and getting like a more premier premium pick also lends itself to me being a little more hesitant to want to give up a godfather offer but in general I'm a little surprised that I'm still not ready to I'm still not mentally prepared to ship off all these guys for Anthony Davis even though we went through. We technically went through a dress rehearsal uh, at the trade deadline, but I guess how are you feeling with regards to that? I, it's just different, and I and I feel you. I I know what you mean. Um, it just feels different. Although, like at the trade deadline, I think for me, despite all of the rumors that came out around the time, and even despite the rumors, frankly, that came out after the fact. I just like, until I saw it with my own eyes, I never really in my heart believed that we were offering every single young piece we had. You know what I mean? Like some of those rumors were saying, I always, I figured we would keep one somehow of like Lonzo or BI and, and like, I figured, figured like we had a decent chance of keeping Kuzma. I just figured like we would load it up with picks and like we had a decent chance of keeping a couple of these guys that everybody said were going to be gone. Mm -hmm. But now just like, Knowing the circumstances of like what could happen, knowing the circumstances of like how much rides on this off season for the front office and Rob, um, knowing how the math has to work out, like if we're going to use our cap space and then trade for Davis, like it is going to gut like all three of our like big. Well, besides with with the exception of like potentially Kuzma, like it's we're going to lose three top top assets and it's just kind of a bummer you know what i mean and frankly like i say we're probably not gonna have to lose kuzma but who knows you know if the knicks come to the table with like a farm package of i mean i saw some crazy proposals online today of unbleacher report put out like somewhat silly article about this but it was it was like uh Kevin Knox, the number three pick, Dennis Smith Jr., Frankie Nicotine, um, like multiple future firsts. And I was like, wait, what? And like a couple other young young guys and, and other guys for like matching salary. And I was like, what the hell is this, dude? <laughs> if they come to the table with that kind of offer, we might have to trade everyone on our team. And so it just feels so – it feels a little more dire in this case. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just weird because it's like we're kind of – and I try my best, like whenever we do this kind of stuff to not overreact, but this front office is such a black box and we just have no idea what we're going to get. It could be that, yeah, the entire young core is just gone in one move and it's like nobody even bats an eye, you know? And, or it could be that, 
you know, we just end up not getting AD for whatever reason. Either we couldn't it, we couldn't get up to what other some some other team offered, or we put our foot down and said, no, we're not doing it for that price. Who knows? They could just do that and say, we're committed to these young guys now. We're, we're going to sign a max or use our space, and we're committed to these young guys. They're all staying. They could easily do that. I mean, I don't think they're going to do that, but like they could easily do that. We just don't know. So yeah. it, it's just so much more as an... It feels like so much more is in flux um, now versus compared to the trade deadline. And I don't know. It's it's very stressful. Yeah, it is. And, you know, taking it back to the Paul George situation, when it also felt like this was going to happen, the circumstances are obviously different because Paul George should have just come as a free agent. But I think the fact that this is also clutch changes the dynamic a lot where I almost feel like it's an inevitability at this point that Rich Paul is going to, I don't know if, if force is the right word, but I guess this is where the rubber meets the road this offseason, right? And we'll actually get to see how powerful clutch is with regards to dictating what the front office does or not even dictating, but maybe influencing where the the direction that the front office goes. And we'll have to wait and see. But right now, I'm scared that because it's clutch and LeBron James is clutch, that this deal is going to happen one way or another. Now, I hope that the Lakers do draw a line in the sand. But for me, I'm just bracing for impact. And here's a question for you. This is such a stupid question because anybody who listens, a person who just stumbles upon this podcast for the first time is going to think we're nuts. But do you almost wish that another team outbids us for Anthony Davis or that we <laughs> put our, <laughs> we draw the line in the sand? The thing is, dude, it, it sounds so silly when we say it out loud, but like there is a small part of me, you know, like we can be reasonable people. And it's like, obviously if I, if we don't get Anthony Davis, I'm not going to be, sorry, if we do get Anthony Davis, I'm not going to be mad about it, no matter what the cost is, because it's like the mental gymnastics to be on board with Anthony Davis is very easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like just, just getting that out of the way here. Okay. But like, also if we didn't get him and we ended up with like, you know, Lonzo, whoever we take at number four, B.I., like Culver potentially, Culver, uh, uh, B.I., Kuzma, you know, Josh Hart, Mo Wagner. Like, we still have all this crazy, insane young depth. And we have potential to use our money on somebody, and if not one person, multiple players who will be, like, very attractive trade assets moving forward. Like, it, it just... I don't know. It's pretty. It's a pretty good situation to be in, and I know LeBron is on his timeline, but I will say that one thing that's semi-unclear to me is he at least vocal, and I know he might not necessarily be super vocal about this. He might have his other ways of manipulating the situation, but he has not been super, super vocal about, you know, I need to be, all these young guys need to be traded, and I need to, you know, have all-stars on my team right now. Like part of that is part of it is in his control. Like it's up to him really to like recruit another guy to come help us. Um, but you know, he's like very friendly with these young guys. And I know that maybe isn't, shouldn't be evidence of anything, but I just don't think he's going to go like crying himself to sleep 
if he ends up with like the young guys and and just one other star instead of like a mega team of three guys but nobody else. You know, mm-hmm. I just don't think that that's going to be a huge huge issue for him. And so I, I don't know. I, there's a small part of me, like you said, that, that is like, oh, maybe he, hopefully he just chooses somebody else. And even more hopefully, somebody at a conference. And even yeah. even more hopefully, <laughs> somebody at a conference who won't have cap space to like sign Kyrie Irving. Like maybe one of these fringe contenders, like, or not even a fringe contender, but like a team like the Sixers or like... You know, the Celtics, I don't I honestly still don't think they're gonna come to the table, but I think the Sixers have a legit um you know, or a, a random team that could just show up. Um so we'll see. The people have been throwing the Raptors out, although I don't think that's gonna happen. It's it's just weird. Yeah, I also agree with the prospects of for me, it's almost like, yeah, if he just goes to the Eastern Conference, we already know Kevin Durant's headed out that way as well. It kind of shifts the power balance of things and if I'm talking about how powerful Clutch may potentially be, I guess on the flip side is I'm also hoping that maybe they know when their arm's being twisted a little and they'll actually help the front office out and be willing to step in and say, hey, this is too much to give up for. You know, I know it's their client. This is too much to give up for Anthony Davis. Maybe they're prescient enough to be able to say something like that, where it's like, even we think that you're giving up too much of the farm. I don't know how realistic that is. It's just me, my hopeful thinking that Rich Paul and LeBron are also thinking about the situation like, you know, armchair GMs and saying, wait, we have to give up all of that, even though they know they can retool pretty quickly with veterans and, you know, Carmelo Anthony is going to come out of hiding all of a sudden if as a veteran exception signing, etc. But I just, I'm just hoping that LeBron is also thinking about long-term sustainability and just roster balance in general, given what happened this past season with all of those injuries. And that in in one sense, if we're able to keep some of the young guys or even all of the young guys, not that this should be put into the calculus, but it'll make this last season, I know everybody wants to forget about this last season, but I think it was important for the chemistry of the team. It'll make things feel less in vain, if that makes any sense. Because They've got a year under their belt with Lonzo, Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. And even the failures and struggles that they underwent, those are still important tools to help them in the future and that they can take with them. But I guess my main point is I I do hope that if Clutch is that powerful, they'll be able to dissuade our front office because I have a feeling that Rob will just pull the trigger on anything. I don't have any basis of saying that, but... I'm sure if Griffin is like, give us your godfather offer that he just do it. But I'm hoping there are more forces at play here that that kind of impede him from doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I Again, I'm not sold on Rob. I think like, again, we're, I think, but the point is like, we're both equally justified in our positions because it's like, he is such a wild card. The, the fact of the matter is he could do anything. So to say mm-hmm. like, you know, the way that he's handled himself and the way that I've perceived, you know, statements or things that he's done and rumors that, you know, the rumor mill and all this and that is that I just think he would sell the farm in two seconds if it came to that. And then my perspective, you know, just based on this way, my, the way I interpreted those same things is just like, I don't know that he would necessarily do that. So, um, it is, it's, it's a super weird situation. I really hope it gets resolved sooner rather than later. And, you know, AD just ends up on like the Miami heat or something like that. (laughs) 
Yeah, so this AD domino is going to, obviously, I called it a domino, it's going to affect a lot of things, and it's going to affect a lot of teams' free agency plans. How strongly are you tied to the idea that Anthony Davis is some sort of victory cigar with regards to securing a max star free agent, like a Kyrie Irving? But yeah, what are your thoughts on the desperation of not only New Orleans, but other teams like the Lakers or Knicks or, or Brooklyn to try and get Anthony Davis in now, even if it's just in principle, to use that as a selling point for potential other max free agents? I don't think it's as big of a deal for us. Um, we already have LeBron, which is a thing that these other teams don't have. Like LeBron is set. It's not like, oh, we have a LeBron contingency. Like if we sign you, we can get him. It's like, no, no, no. He's here. It's a guaranteed contract. He, we have a full, full max space. Um, you know, I, I think like from that standpoint, we don't need to rush as much as some of these other teams. Like you said, I think the Knicks definitely are one team that might want to be like, you know, not just like, hey, look, we have the assets to trade for Anthony Davis or, you know, we could trade for Anthony Davis if we want to. It's like, no, no, he's here already on like a guaranteed deal. He's already said publicly he wants to do an extension. So like, come join him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like Clippers, you could make the similar type of argument. So I don't know that we're that motivated from that standpoint, but I just think that like the market sets itself. So whoever is the most desperate team is going to set the market. Um, and we'll just have to adapt based on that. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. like I said, it might come down to a situation where Rob is like, okay, look, I Anthony, this is like, maybe I'll regret this, but I don't know that Anthony Davis is worth me sacrificing Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, the number four pick, and Josh Hart. <laughs> you know, like when you used to list all those guys out, it sounds crazy, you know? And it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, you should want to take just like one Anthony Davis, maybe even over all those guys combined. But we don't know what so many of these guys are. And like you said, everything that happened last year could have a positive effect on the team, um, chemistry wise, and just like maturity and growing wise. And who knows? Like I was messaging you earlier, but I was like, Pascal Siakam was a 24 year old second year player Mm -hmm. averaging seven points a game last year and became a third year player, you know, 20, still 25 years old, but just a third year player. So still developing and is like the second best player on the championship team right now. Yeah. You know, so these guys are going to change so rapidly and so suddenly. And I just, you know, if you could sense that like Lonzo ball is due for a breakout, you could sense that like, Brandon Ingram, given that 30-game stretch he had last year, is just due for a big year. Uh, Kuz has just been Kuz, you know? So it's like these guys have so much upside, and I I really – it would be a shame to miss their development. Well, Kuzma is being treated like Jordan Clarkson right now, and the dude just came off a season where he averaged nearly 19 points and a true shooting percentage of 55%. And then Brandon Ingram – He's got four more years to become Pascal Siakam, even if he plateaus the next three years, you know, so it's, it's crazy. Um, so I totally feel what you're saying. Um, one thing I did want to bring up was, and maybe this will kind of help our argument and stance, even though the situation is pretty different. But if everybody remembers Carmelo Anthony when he was with the Denver Nuggets, I think he still had a year left on his contract, and but he was pretty much telling everybody, I'm going to become a New York Knick uh, next year. But 
the Knicks wanted to have him in a year early. Uh, Denver wanted to get something out of him, and they traded... I don't even think their package is as good as the Lakers package. That's obviously a very biased point of view, but it was still a good package and they ended up giving more than they probably should have for a near certainty. And that's not to say that Anthony Davis is going to walk to us next year, but I think just having LeBron James on your team and being armed with the assets that we do have, it's not a lost situation if we forego a Hall of Famer. (laughs) like Anthony Davis, but you know where I'm going with this, right? In terms of the Knicks kind of paid for having to give up all of those assets for Carmelo Anthony. And in a way, while I don't think the Lakers will pay for obviously trading for Anthony Davis, I just feel like there's a more optimal way of doing things. And I know we're going back to the have our cake and eat it too scenario, ideal scenario that hasn't worked out for the last two years. But I don't know. We have LeBron James. I think that dramatically shifts everything. And maybe it'll dramatically shift everything the opposite direction if he gets injured again this year. And it starts to look like a Kobe Bryant situation. But I only bring up the Carmelo Anthony thing. And obviously there is a huge gap between Carmelo Anthony, even though he was really, really good at that time and was still elite and considered probably the best scorer in the NBA. There's a big difference between him and Anthony Davis. But just going to the point of we're, we're taking on a rental and we're giving up more than we should have to give up just because we're the Lakers, you know? Because of that, I feel like we should draw the line in the sand for ourselves, like on principle. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I, I just think it's... I think your point is well taken in the sense that it's a very reasonable argument that I think is just kind of being overlooked a little bit just because of the greatness of Anthony Davis. And and, it, and and he is very, very great. He is a Hall of Famer. I have no doubt that if we bring Anthony Davis on, and you know, I'm going to cop to this, obviously the the fan dynamic of things and just wanting to see some of your guys, the DNA of what you've had to invest in the freaking last five years ever since we started this podcast, you want to see some fruition come out of that and it not feel sort of cheap by just having... Anthony Davis and LeBron James and the entire DNA of the team you've been rooting for flipped on a dime. I mean, not to say we won't have fun because we'll gravitate towards Anthony Davis. We'll gravitate towards some of the signings that we get in free agency. We'll gravitate towards Taco Fall and some of the other undrafted free agents we sign uh, who the Lakers are working out in bunches. But yeah, I guess all that to say, I hope we're able to keep some of these guys. And I guess we can take it to break. And when we come back, we can talk about if push comes to shove, who would we like to keep and who is realistic to keep at this point if we're looking at things from a New Orleans Pelican standpoint and also with respect to the surrounding market that we can kind of conjecture will be out there. Uh, So first, we'll pitch it over to sponsors and then we'll talk about that when we get back. All right, Tommy, it's uh, it's gut check time. If you had to pick one player out of the Lakers to keep out of Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, <laughs> out of those group of players... Bonga for show? Bonga for show. Who 
would you like to retain if the Lakers do end up having to shove, you know, four out of five assets, five out of six assets over to uh, the New Orleans Pelicans? So answer that question first. And then secondly, who do you realistically think the Lakers could keep? Because those are two different questions. They may be the same answer, but yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're right. But for me, I I don't know, maybe this is probably obvious to you, maybe for people who listen to us frequently enough. If I had to, if I was able to keep one guy to justify like any move that we do this summer, it'd be Lonzo. I just think that this dude is so good, you know what I mean? And he's just like so on the cusp of breaking out. He can fit with any team. He could blend in with superstar teams. His skills are actually like enhanced if he's on like a superstar team. Um, he's such, he sets the tone for the entire team defensively. I mean, you just saw like the differences with him on and off the court last year for us, um, defensively. And I think his shot will come around. I think he's a developing offensive player, but he's so smart that I just have no doubt that he will develop these things. He's like shown a serious dedication to like getting his body in, in, in the right shape. Um, and he's such a smart player. Um, I just think that he checks so many boxes and, and he would be the one guy I would prioritize to keep. Yeah, so let's stick with uh, who we'd like to keep first and then we can go on to who we realistically think the Lakers would keep and how we feel about that. Sounds so good. for me, I have two different answers. Whoa, My, I know. <laughs> My heart is telling me I'd like to keep the number four pick. <laughs> Just you just got a man sh- crush on Colru, bro. <laughs> I mean, that's partly it, but also it's the shiny new toy dynamic, right? Where it's just like, who knows? What if he's the next Jason Tatum and he hits it out of the park like right off the bat, which is something that none of our draft picks have been able to do. They've come around eventually, but you know, maybe this is the one that does it. Um, so there's that factor, or that's that's kind of what I'm factoring into this. Um, I actually have two questions for the heart play, and then. <laughs> This is bad. It's a bad answer. And then my second heart play, or the reason, the second guy that I'd want to keep if I'm using my heart would be Kyle Kuzma. And he has some logistical reasons for why I'd like to keep him, obviously because of his low salary. And the Lakers will have an easier time building out a team from here, uh, keeping him on. But also, I just like Kyle Kuzma. Has nothing to do with analytics, even though he does rank... He's just rank- a cool dude. He's just a cool dude. I know a lot of people think he's an F-boy, which is fine. But I do think he's getting a lot of unfair flack recently, just just because of that Jordan Clarkson dynamic. I haven't, even <laughs> see- I haven't even seen that. So the fact that you're bringing this up is so surprising to me, because he's just like, how could you not like that guy, you know? I don't know. Maybe I just follow the wrong people, but it's like uh, people have their pitchforks out for, for Kyle Kuzma. I mean, in a certain respect, I get it. He he does have some D'Angelo Russell vibes to him, some Jordan Clarkson vibes. But for me, it's like, man, he has a low bar to clear right now because people are calling him Jordan Clarkson. And I'm just like, dude, Jordan Clarkson has never done what Kyle Kuzma's done in terms of scoring 40 points, doing it with efficiency. The fact that he didn't even hit his three-point shot well, and he still managed to average 19 points and shoot 46% from the field. I'm just like, this guy's a hard worker too. You know, he, he's been working out with that lethal shooter dude uh, in the offseason. And I don't know, I just, I just like, people are going to hate me for saying the Mamba mentality, but I just like his mentality and how he goes about things. And obviously people hate that he sucks up to the front office and all that stuff, which I can understand. But I just personally like him. His game is very smooth and dynamic to me. It's the closest thing that I've seen to Kobe Bryant with regards to how he flails his legs and kicks his legs out when he does tomahawk dunks. And uh, 
aesthetically, style-wise, I just let Kyle Kuzma. But with regards to who I want to keep if I'm using my head, it is Lonzo Ball. I agree with you. He is just the most malleable guy that you can plug and play in every single situation, and you don't have to worry about whether he's going to be selfish. You know, that's never a concern with Lonzo Ball. It's like he just needs to improve his jump shot, you know, his free throw shooting and his three-point shot. But defensively, you know he's going to be there. You know he's going to energize the team because of the way he plays, you know? And you just look back on all of his highlight passes this past season. That's the type of stuff, the type of plays that Lonzo Ball puts out there on the court. It's such a catalyst to exciting, energetic basketball that really gets your teammates involved and you know, makes them want to try harder and push harder. Imagine if he had superstar teammates to go along with that, or to go along with him and LeBron. And I guess in this scenario, Anthony Davis. So I agree with you. Lonzo Ball. I know a lot of people also put Brandon Ingram as their guy that they'd want to keep. And I don't really disagree with that too strongly. I would just say that there's a little part of me that thinks from the Lakers angle, and I'm not even talking about the DVT injury at this point, because I do believe them when they say this is not a hematological issue and that it was a muscle issue that's for the most part been resolved. But with regards to Brandon Ingram's upcoming contract extension, there is a little part of me that thinks that the front office is still wondering how Brandon Ingram fits with LeBron James. And then not even just LeBron James, but if they bring in an Anthony Davis, or let's say they bring in another ball-dominant wing, how's that going to work? I know Brandon Ingram balled out the last 30 games of the season, and I guess he meshed better with LeBron James and the rest of the core. But I have to think some of the front office is still questioning, is this for real? And should we get out ahead of this now before we have another full season? And it's like, oh, it's not working again. What do we do? What do we do? We don't have time to give the ball to Brandon Ingram so he can put up these points, you know, and put up, put up these stats. And, and because of that, I think they'd rather maybe push the burden of having to decide whether to extend him or how much to pay him this upcoming season in restricted free agency, or maybe the market will bear that out for him. But just push that decision onto another team where they can almost kill two birds with one stone. I know I'm like, (laughs) this sounds bad and like I'm bashing Brandon Ingram, but just from, I don't know, a logistical standpoint, I think it makes sense that if the Lakers have those questions and they can get an all-star in return from and get an all-star in return for Brandon Ingram, that that sort of softens the blow a little bit because they have questions about Brandon Ingram's fit, but also questions about his upcoming contract that they'll have to pay. What do you think about that? About Brandon Ingram specifically? Or I guess if, if that's a question that's going on in the front office's head and why you could also push him down the ladder of, I, I'd prefer Lonzo over him. Does that factor into your calculus? I mean, that definitely has to, right? Um, although, you know, Lonzo, you could you could make one argument on the one hand that like, because he came in after Brandon Ingram and the salary cap went up, like his, his salary is worth more mm-hmm. in a trade right, right now. But BI, like you said, is, is like due for an extension. Um, those talks are going to come pretty soon. And like you said, it, it, not to say that that's a reason to get rid of him, but like if some team is like interested and in, is going to give you very good value, it might be a reason to consider like, okay, well, you know, at least we're kind of punting on that decision. We don't have to be the ones to decide whether to give Brandon Ingram like a four year, 
you know, 80 to a hundred million dollar extension, um, without knowing if he might have to like medically retire, you know? Yeah, for sure. I guess the flip side to that, and I've kind of brought this up before and I did it with Cole and I've talked to you about it offline, but in the event that the Lakers strike out, could they then use actually, could they then use Brandon Ingram's, not his injury against him, but then use the fact that he's extension eligible to their advantage where if they don't get anybody big in free agency and they're not able to trade for Anthony Davis, at that point, because Brandon Ingram's cap hold in the summer of 2020 is going to be $21 million, at that point, do you just go ahead and extend Brandon Ingram and try and see if you can get him on the Steph Curry discount? Back then, the Warriors got Curry for like $11 million a year. These days, with inflation, it's probably going to be a commensurate <laughs> pay raise for Brandon Ingram would probably be around 18 to $20 million, but that's clearly well below the $27 million he can probably get as a max free agent. So in the event of a strikeout, do you think the Lakers should just go ahead and see if they can negotiate an extension with Brandon Ingram for about like $18 million? And that also helps them in summer 2020 because $18 million is obviously less than Brandon Ingram's $21 million cap hold. Although maybe Brandon Ingram's agent is like, we're not going to take anything less than his cap hold. But yeah, what are your thoughts on extending Brandon Ingram in the event of a strikeout? I mean, I think it's not a bad idea. I mean, well, it's not a bad idea. He's He already has a cap hold next summer. I don't know that like the cap is the real issue. I just, I just don't think um, he would be up for something like that. It, it does seem like both sides are hedging and it might be mutually beneficial for like us and Ingram's team to both say like, Hey, let's hedge and get something like reasonable and you'll make a ton crap ton of money. But like, you know, we'll get something like in the middle just to hedge a little on for us. And then Ingram, you could see being like, okay, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know what if I go to the doctor one more time and they say I have a clot, then I can never play again. So I could see it making sense for both sides. It's just like, we've seen time and time and time again, that guys are willing to roll the dice and I think when like that much money is at stake, it's worth it for them. Um, it sounds crazy maybe for us because it's so much money, <laughs> but it's like, it's so much more money if they roll the dice. So a lot of people roll the dice. You see it happen like, um, in different contexts, but like Nerland's Noel didn't take an extension and look what happened to him. Um, KCP didn't take the extension that was allegedly offered by Detroit and like, look what happened to him. Like guys don't take the extension sometimes when offered and they think they can, you know, uh, would be better to test themselves on the open market. And, and I, it just doesn't always work out, but so I, I don't know. I don't know if that, if that, uh, is going to be a factor for them because if they ultimately, if they think, uh, BI is, is the best anyway, then I don't, I don't know. They'll, they'll be happy keeping them. And just to clear it up for our listeners, the Lakers, if they sign Brandon Ingram to an extension, that will not affect their 2019 cap space. And they, they can still, make their signings up to the cap and then extend Brandon Ingram for next year. And then whatever he signs for, that'll come into effect, obviously, in 2020 and beyond, right? Right. Cool. So let's close our show and just talk about the NBA draft, whether some of your thoughts have shifted with regards to prospects, whether you're fading them in general because you feel like an Anthony Davis trade is on the horizon. And then we can also talk about just the shifting free agency landscape that that we've kind of felt the last few weeks or so with rumors coming out that Kemba Walker 
His priority is to stay with Charlotte, and if Charlotte offers him that $220-plus million Supermax, that he's probably going to stay. Same with Jimmy Butler. If the Sixers are willing to give him his full max, he's likely to stay now, and he bought a house in Philly. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard. He's had a historic run with the Toronto Raptors and seems to have taken a liking to the fans. I've heard that all around Toronto, all the restaurants are just giving him free meals. Not that he needs free meals, but he can dine anywhere in Toronto for free. I mean, they're going full court press on Kawhi, on on trying to keep Kawhi, and for good reason. Um, And then who else? Kyrie Irving, Stephen A. Smith's been saying that, yes, Kyrie Irving has his sights set on New York, but not even just the Knicks, but probably Brooklyn now. It's hard to tell which way these guys are thinking. So maybe we can start there and then end with the draft because they already just went through the litany of it and went through the list of how things have changed. But uh, yeah, how are you feeling about free agency now, Tommy? Because, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were actually feeling pretty strongly about Kawhi Leonard. And we have heard that LeBron James has already started recruiting Kawhi Leonard on the side. And we even felt comfortable about the backup plans of Kemba Walker and Jimmy Butler. Now it's feeling less and less likely that the Lakers have all of these options at their disposal come June 30th, 6 p.m. Uh, so yeah, how are you feeling now about the the free agency landscape? And obviously a lot of these things could be leverage plays and who knows what's a smokescreen and what's not, but I'm assuming that you feel less positive than you did the last few weeks. But how confident are you in that respect? I'm definitely less positive than I've been the last couple of weeks. I mean, I just, I, it felt like, oh, there's all these guys. Like, we're definitely going to get one. We have LeBron. Like, he's recruiting. But I didn't expect that the playoffs were going to shake out like this. I didn't expect that Kawhi and, and company would, like, la- have lasted this long. Like, I don't think necessarily that's why he would stay there. Um, I just didn't see it, you know? And and it's 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 just becoming kind of frustrating because it's like Kemba, I don't know if the Hornets are going to give him the Supermax. Like obviously if they do give him the Supermax, um uh that that's that's you know, he has he's he would be crazy to not accept it. So he's definitely going to stay, but I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I the Supermax is just like a max. It's not like you either offer the max or the Supermax. It's like you can offer up to the super max, which is like, so I guess what I'm saying is they can still go over the max that everybody else can offer, but not give the full super max. And even yeah, that I might th- be I good. Think so. Yeah. And even, the, even that might be good enough. So, you know, I think there's a very good chance he, he stays there. You said the Jimmy thing, like it felt like sentiments or like, you know, I talked about the rumor mill swinging sometimes, but you know, there was a while where it felt like Jimmy was kind of linked to us in the sense of like LeBron's been trying to recruit him, but then all of a sudden, you know, it comes time to for the showdown, and then oh, the reports are coming out that like Philly's preparing to offer him a max, and then the next report is like he just bought a house. You know, it's yeah. like so. It's like it seems like that's kind of settling into place. So you know, Kawhi, like you said, all the stuff about Toronto, I, Kyrie. It's like I don't know that I buy Stephen A. Smith per se to go again, like. He is going against a lot of other people that are credible, um, who, who have had some sources on this. Um, but you know, it, it's Kyrie. So who knows, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. It just feels like there's so much stuff that could change. Um, 
at any given moment and it becomes it becomes kind of stressful knowing that like we're a month away still if you had to pick who would you place your bets on with regards to if we are able to get one of these actual legit stars who would you say is at the top of your list realistically based off everything that's come out and everything that you're kind of trying to sift through and digest right now realistically i think we have the best shot at Kyrie. Ooh. But that's just mostly because of the LeBron connection. Uh-huh. Um, and the fact that he is, like, for sure out of Boston. Um, that, I mean, it's true. like... You, so it's like he's the one person we know who's for sure on the move. Everybody else, including KD, to be honest, you can make, like, a reasonable case that they're just going to stay put. Um, but Kyrie is, like, the one guy who we can point to him and say, okay, this guy is 100% for sure out. So, you know, then where does that take us? Um and once he, you've made the uh, you know leap that he's out. I just, I think we have as good a shot as anybody. The Brooklyn thing, it's like, would he go to? Would he leave? Even if he really is beefing with his like teammates in, in Boston, would he really leave to go to Brooklyn? Like, is that really going to like change that much? Like, okay, he'll have new teammates, but his teammates in Boston were better. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Like. Do they keep D'Lo if he goes there? And then if they keep if he, if they do keep D'Lo, can those two types of players like coexist? Is that the type of player he wants to saddle himself to? I, I just don't know that I buy the Brooklyn uh, angle. And then the New York Knicks angle, I only really see if he has a commitment from somebody else to go there as well. So I don't know. I, I think we have a legit shot at him. Um, the LeBron thing helps. The Jason Kidd thing helps. And the Kobe apparently recruiting thing helps. I, I, I think I think That's true. we have a decent shot. I'm going to say it's been out there that LeBron has also reached out to Jimmy Butler, right? Like LeBron is going on a uh, like a recruiting tour right now, which thank God he's doing that because it kind of shifts the focus off of all the noise that's been happening and surrounding the front office. So I'm very glad that LeBron's doing that. All hail King LeBron. But I'm going to say I think we have, and I know this sounds counterintuitive, but if we're, and I'll, and I'll use the qualifier, if we're able to actually get a meeting with these guys, which is obviously that's a different story because if usually if these guys' current teams, you know, bring in the Brinks truck, they usually don't even take any meetings after that, right? I think that's right, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say Kemba Walker, just because I think Mitch Kupchak, <laughs> good old Mitch, he has to play this very carefully, and I'm sure he knows this for himself too. Let's say he doesn't give Kemba Walker the super, super max, even if he goes a little bit under. I think that'll give Kemba enough reason to take that as a slight and actually begin taking meetings with other teams, including the Lakers. And I just have to think that for Kemba Walker, I know he's a very loyal guy and he's wanted to hold that mantle for the Charlotte Hornets of being that dude for them that stays in that franchise. There's no way, especially after he's on their books, that the Charlotte Hornets can improve that team. And he's just going to waste away the next three or four years in Charlotte. And he'll probably demand a trade, you know, the next year because he's so miserable that they're not able to create a winning team. And if he's actually starts taking other meetings and feels disrespected, I think that opens the door widely for the Lakers to swoop in. Obviously, the Knicks are also in play there, yada, yada. But if Kemba Walker's actually thinking about winning, he can kind of hitch his wagon to LeBron James and also know that LeBron James is sort of on the decline. I know Kemba Walker's already 28, 29, 29, I think. But 
that's why I kind of leave the, the door open for Kemba Walker. Now, if Mitch Kupchak just, you know, gives him all the money in the world that he's eligible to to get, then yeah, maybe maybe the door's closed in that respect. But I, I'm still holding out hope for those uh those second tier max free agents like Kemba Walker and Jimmy Butler. So for me, I'll put Kemba Walker at the top for now, even though I'm not even sure I'm buying my own argument because for guys like Kemba, and it was the same situation with Carmelo Anthony, sometimes even if you don't like your situation, sometimes you just sign on the dotted line and worry about getting traded, you know, next year, right? So I'm even going against my own argument at this point. But with that said, how how do you feel about... I guess, how do you reconcile this part? Because even before all of this started happening, I felt so strongly that there was no way LeBron James could fail, even with recruiting, and even with kind of the blame being put off him and solely on the front office. I was like, oh, LeBron's in the perfect situation here where the front office is the scapegoat to everything negative that that happens with this franchise in the last year, but also moving forward. So even if they don't get any free agents, LeBron can conveniently just say it was these bozos fault. Right. But then on the flip side, there's also that aspect of, don't you think that the prevailing narrative coming out of this summer, if LeBron's not able to get, you know, a legit star to come play with him, that the narrative is going to be, nobody wants to play with LeBron. See, we told you how come nobody wants to play with LeBron. And, And do you think he'll get, he'll be sensitive to that at all. And, do you think that is what's kind of driving him to full bore go into this, you know, recruitment tour and 25-8 be hitting up Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving, uh, Kemba Walker, et cetera, et cetera? I don't know if I'm asking you like a succinct question here, but I guess yeah. how do you reconcile like if LeBron James fails, I guess? I mean, if he fails, he fails. You know what I mean? It's like... People can point to him and say, like, oh, LeBron, it's like nobody wants to play with him anymore, and think, look how things have changed. Not to compare him to Kobe, because I, I, I I'm like hate the comparison, frankly. They're so different. But, like, Kobe also had this, like, much more pervasive throughout his career. You know, if LeBron fails once, there's so many other things in this particular context that could be the cause to blame, you know, or cause of the mm-hmm. blame. I just don't think that that's going to define him. I don't think that's going to stop him from, I mean, I think he's going to be out there like, you know, working as hard as anybody else to, to make sure that he gets somebody. And I don't think he's going to, you know, I'm sure he has a hierarchy in his head, but I don't think he's below like, you know, putting himself, putting himself down almost to like boost up Kemba Walker to be like, I want you to come here, here, here and be the man. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think he's below any of that. So I think he's definitely going to do all that stuff. I don't think that I'm not sure how much of an impact it'll have. I, I have to think it'll help at least a little bit in terms of us getting somebody. Um, and then beyond that, I just don't know. And if we, he doesn't get a star, I just, I don't think that it, it's going to really impact his legacy at all. Yeah, that's fair. All right. With that said, let's close our show and talk about the NBA draft. Uh, we'll pitch it to our sponsors again. And then when we return, Jarrett Culver, Darius Garland, DeAndre Hunter, and maybe some Cam Reddish time. I don't know. We'll see. All right, Tommy, are you fading your love for some of these prospects as you've delved deeper into Darius Garland tape or delved deeper into Jarrett Culver tape? Laker Film Room's healthy and back and he had like a a great deandre hunter 
uh, video breakdown of his strengths and weaknesses. So we've had time over the last couple of weeks to really gravitate towards some of these dudes and, and envision a scenario where they could fit with the Lakers' young core and LeBron James or whoever star comes in, whichever star comes in. Uh, but now, are you feeling like an Anthony Davis trade is more likely to happen with, with the Lakers? And have you subsequently faded your <laughs> your love and attachment for some of these prospects? Um... It's hard. It's hard. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. I, 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 I don't know. Okay. Well, with that said, I think I'm still sort of playing both sides in terms of I'm still reading up on all these guys. I'm still watching all the videos. Still, for the moment, getting excited at the prospects of it. But I feel like, in a certain sense, like the number four pick also represents the young core, right? So it's not just the number four pick, if that makes sense. No, I totally agree. So it's um, easier to side with, well, I, I like him, so I want to keep him, because that also means, oh, we like the young core. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's ultimately, maybe it's just like the thought of that pick just, yeah, you're right. It's like the thought of that pick is reminds me of the young core, and I'm like, let's just keep all these guys, dude. <laughs> <laughs> let's just keep them all, dude. K Kuzma, I mean, freaking Lonzo, Culver, Ingram, Kuzma. Bonga. What are the odds? We Yeah, Bonga. <laughs> Get these four guys at four different positions and then just play bonga at the five and you're good to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, but seriously, it's like you, you have, you can make this team of like four guys who are drafted top four. I mean, sorry, three, four guys who play as though they were drafted like top five in their drafts, basically. You know what I mean? It's like two literal number two picks, one number four pick, and then Kuzma, who plays like a high lottery pick despite being picked like 25 or whatever he was, mm -hmm. 27, you know? 27. So, so I, I, it's, it, maybe that's why I have those feelings. All right. Well, with regards to those feelings, how does your, how is your big board currently looking like right now? And um, what does your big board currently look like right now? And have you been able to stumble upon any additional tidbits that's making you side a different way or side one way or another with regards to Jarrett Culver, DeAndre Hunter, Darius Garland, or maybe Mystery Player X? Yeah, so last time we talked, I think I was definitely on the Garland uh, bandwagon. Mm -hmm. Um I just think like he looks like he has a he has a lot of upside. I think, but I did caveat it at the time that I need to look into it more. Once you start looking into his numbers more, a few things like are a little. I, I'm not saying like if we picked him at number four, I'd be mad because obviously they have way more intel than we do. But some of the numbers don't check out um, for a guy who's a point guard, and I know he's a score first point guard, but. If you watch like the Mike Schmitz breakdown or some other breakdowns of his, of his game, it's. He is not, he has a long way to go as a playmaker. Um, mm -hmm. He averages more turnovers than assists. I know very small sample size, but it, a couple things are alarming with him and you don't know about the health and you don't know about how long it's going to take for his offensive game to translate to the NBA. I was also pretty high on DeAndre Hunter um, just because of his size and everything he can do defensively. Um I was lowest between the, these three who I'm about to say, but I was lowest of, on Culver among him and like the last two I just mentioned. Um, just because of his inability to really consistently show that he can shoot. But the more we've seen over the last few weeks, the, I'm like pretty high on Culver at this moment. Um, mm -hmm. 
this guy is just like, I mean, he's six foot seven or what is he? Six foot six and three quarters. He's like almost six foot seven. I mean, that picture he had with LeBron James looked like he was maybe just an inch off of LeBron. So. Exactly. So he's like about six foot seven, um, you know, six, nine length. So, okay. He's not a wing, like a true small forward type wing, but he very reasonable length for a shooting guard, um, especially combined with his size. Um, he is so athletic. I mean, I think at the combine, he tested something like 5% body fat or like something completely absurd. Noise. Um, but he's like a really good, he like physically, he looks like he's pretty ready to, uh, at least contribute as like a bench player as a first year. He's also not like rail thin. Brandon he's not Ingram, rail even thin. I mean, Jason he Tatum, weighs so. as much as Brandon Ingram does right now. <laughs> No, I'm yeah. serious. He I like I, his, he he measured at the combine at like 195, which I'm pretty sure first of all Brandon Ingram is 6-9 with a 7-1 wingspan. <laughs> That's true. And and he's also been in the NBA for a few years. Like uh, this Culver has the frame to like bulk up. I mean, this dude looks like he could easily get to like Kobe like 215 or something like that. You know, so he he uh he has like a really like solid-looking body. He he He's very skilled as a playmaker, which, again, Mm -hmm. I thought potentially something overrated for us because of Ingram. But at some level, you can't deny it. You know what I mean? It's like he doesn't even necessarily need to have the ball in his hands um, to to utilize those playmaking skills as a cutter, you know, catching it and making a quick pass, breaking down the defense and making quick passes within the flow of the offense. Like those playmaking skills still carry so much value. Well, especially attacking closeouts because LeBron James and Brandon Ingram Ingram and Kyle Kuzma, yeah. they'll be the focus of the defense. Yeah. And this rookie over here, he can actually do stuff with the ball. He can do stuff with the ball. And make quick decisions. So. And, and, and the big thing for me, though, was, and I'm sure a lot of people saw this, but was the athletic aspect of it. He tested, like, off the charts, man. I mean, like, he he tested pretty good at the combine. But, like, I know, okay, for a full caveat, the Lakers workouts they let people do like a five-step running start when they do their max vert because Mm -hmm. i mean to be fair i think that more accurate accurate excuse me accurately represents how it it's going to play out in a game um but at the combine there's just the no step vert and then the one step vert Mm -hmm. so it's you know it's like you're not getting as much you know max potential jumping power but at the Lakers freaking workout, he tested a 45 inch vert, which is just like so <laughs> insane for somebody who's like nearly six foot seven, you know what I mean? And has so many other skills. I like, I knew he was pretty athletic, but like, this was just like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, how can we walk away from something like that? He just feels like athletic clay. It's like, I still want to point to the jump shot as something that is a red flag, or not a red flag, but something that is a area of concern for me um but guys can learn to shoot his stroke is not completely broken um he's mentioned already that he's like kind of worked on his stroke um and even worked on it like while he was in college to tweak it a little bit like once he gets into the nba with shooting coaches uh he will you know shore that kind of stuff up and you know, the degree of difficulty of the shots he was taking in college also, he he played that up a little bit more, I thought, in his interview um, after his workout than I thought was probably warranted. But um, mm-hmm. he did take a decently difficult. He wasn't missing wide open corner spot ups. He was taking like off the dribble around pick and rolls like contested jumpers. So so that you have to factor that in a little bit. Um, 
it's just not broken is is the best i can say and they got to see it firsthand and how he you know the lakers famous like suicide drills where you have to run like a million suicides and then run back <laughs> yeah. and forth and take a bunch of jump shots on each end like a bunch of three pointers and they call it like the lakers mentality drill or whatever right, right. and um you know so they have a good idea of how well he did in those circumstances like much better than True. any of us do and I don't know. There's a lot, a lot of things to be excited about with Culver, and I'll be interested to see what the buzz is around him uh, with regards to our interest moving forward. And I think with regards to his jump shot, even though DeAndre Hunter is a much better, like, off-the-catch, off-ball shooter, I actually think Jarrett Culver has a lot more versatility with regards to his jump shot and how he can get it off. Because like you mentioned in you know, the video that I t- posted on Twitter of how prolific a mid-range jump shooter he is, like off the bounce, off his own dribble, I think he's, 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 he's more creative and versatile in that respect, even in comparison to DeAndre Hunter. And on top of it, we've, we've talked about this before, but when you're at the number four pick, at that point, you should be shooting for primary creation skills right and that's something that deandre hunter unfortunately doesn't have right now not to say he never will but that's just never been his player profile he is just like a big strong dude he's never really gonna use like in and out crossover dribbles and string together different combos the way that Jarrett culver can because Jarrett culver if you see some of his dribbling moves not that he does this, this all the time but he looks like such a fluid guard out there that can actually manipulate a defense where DeAndre Hunter is a little more loafing in the in his movements he's almost blocky you know and that's not Jarrett Culver at all he can weave his way through defenses and then he's a very very good finisher at the rim I think he shot like 60 plus percent at the rim six maybe 66 percent uh last year with Texas Tech which is very very impressive and if anybody listened to our last episode with Sam Vecini, for him, even though he actually has DeAndre Hunter higher on his big board, personal big board, and even though he also thinks that DeAndre Hunter would be a better or a, a perfect fit for a LeBron James-led team because he's more day one ready than any other prospect, he actually still has Jarrett Culver as the Lakers' best pick because he's the most malleable and he can fit the best with regards to whether the Lakers want to go a Kyrie Irving route or whether the Lakers want to go Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker, like whichever free agent they get or whichever guy they trade for, Anthony Davis, Bradley Beal, Sam Vecini just feels like Jarrett Culver can fit into any situation the best out of DeAndre Hunter or even a guy like Darius Garland because obviously Darius and Kemba and Lonzo, uh uh-oh. But Jarrett Culver, you can kind of just plug and play him. And I think that's his one of the pros with picking a guy like Jared Culver. So yeah, man, I mean, I was already high on him before, as you know, but <laughs> the more, the more we get into the tape, the more we see his creation abilities and see how likable he is as a personality and how down to earth he is. The more I'm just like, man, just pick Jared Culver. He could be our Jason Tatum in the future. Who knows? And LeBron, I mean, to get LeBron's mentorship on top of that, that'd be crazy. And I'll say this to close the show, but With regards to looking at the three guys, Darius Garland, Jarrett Culver, and DeAndre Hunter, I think this is the first time where, regardless of who they pick, I actually will not have any gripes. I can understand the rationale for any of these three guys because I, I, at this point, know their strengths and weaknesses. DeAndre Hunter, of course, is 
probably best fit to contribute immediately and help LeBron James out, even just from a defensive standpoint and a catch-and-shoot standpoint as a 3-and-D guy. But I also understand that maybe his ceiling is capped just based off of the fact that he doesn't have primary creation skills off the dribble, and he's very limited to what he can do. And with regard to regards to Darius Garland, you know, he is still very frail, and his decision-making skills, we're not sure if he can be a, a legitimate playmaker or orchestrate an offense. And maybe on a LeBron James-led team, especially if Lonzo Ball is still on the team, maybe that's not as necessary. But there are still definitely questions surrounding Darius Garland, not the least of which include his injury concerns. And also, I just wanted to caveat one thing with regards to Jarrett Culver's athleticism. Not to say that he can improve, but at this point, I think I've seen enough tape to know that he's not an explosive sort of athlete in the way that even R.J. Barrett is. It's good to know that in space, he can leap for 45 inches and there's still room to grow in that respect. But I just don't think he's ever going to be a guy who can yam it on someone, if that makes sense. Um, So I don't know if you should uh, pin your hopes to that, but just know that there is room for him. He can yam it, bro. (laughs) Okay, fine. He can can yam it. it. There's some, there's honestly some college uh, highlight. I feel like he had a missed yam where he got fouled in the, in the tournament. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. That one was, that one you could see the the vertical. I guess, I guess I've, I've seen enough tape, including from when he played in high school, where it's just he's more of a finesse sort of player. That- I look at this dude, middle school yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, all that to say, I have Jarrett Culver number one. It, it shifts every day. Uh, DeAndre Hunter number two and Darius Garland number three. Although I'm sure, I don't know when we we're going to put this episode out, but I'm sure once we see Darius Garland shooting drills, we'll be like, oh, Darius, all the way. Let's go. Splash Brothers for life. Um, Tommy, any last words on these prospects? Nah. Cool. All right. With that said, uh, draft is coming. Trade is coming. Buckle up. Draft is coming. And you know what else is coming? Taco Tuesday! <laughs> it's Taco Tuesday! Uh, please rate and interview us on iTunes, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast, and follow us on Twitter as well, at Lakers Legacy Pod. All right, Tommy, I'll catch you later. Later. Peace. Peace.